I'm Dave. And I'm Nancy. And this is Middle-Aged Wisdom. Where we talk about mistakes we've made. Lessons we've learned. And sharing things we think are super cool. So you can get closer to living your best life. Welcome to episode 22 of the podcast, Middle-Aged Wisdom. Today, we are talking about habits. It's interesting because the new year is coming up. We don't really look at the new year as New Year's resolutions and all that kind of stuff. But for a lot of people, it's this arbitrary but very useful milestone. So as we think about habits, they typically center around time, location, and people. So let's think about that for a minute. I was just talking to Dave this morning and we were posting for the day and I said, oh my gosh, we have a lot of things that are just so habitual, right? The first thing we do when we wake up in the morning is we look at our phones. We do. It's it's pretty lame, but... Right. Sometimes I'll still be sleeping and Dave wakes up a little bit earlier than I do and I'll look over and he's already been on his phone, I don't know, 20 minutes? You don't know how long. It could be one minute. It could be 20. (laughs) (laughs) How do you know? I don't know. You're right. In any, in don't any, you judge me, woman. <laughs> in any event, there that's the time, right? right? And then after we look at our phones, then we go into the kitchen and we start some coffee. The funny thing about coffee is I love the taste of it and I love something warm in the morning. Half the time, I don't even, if I'm on the road, I don't even finish my coffee by the she, time I get to work. She's a cereal waster of good coffee. I am. And we typically do half calf or decaf or whatever it may be. And it's so interesting because it's just the part of of having that in the morning it has nothing to do with caffeine or the jolt it gives you or anything. It has a little to do with caffeine <laughs> for me. For you it might. I would I would bet though that you may be a little bit dehydrated when you feel a need for another cup. Mm. Just something to consider. Mm. Mm. <laughs> but half the time, if I'm driving to work, it's too hot to drink. Mm-hmm. And then I leave it in the car because I haven't finished it. And, you know, PPE, it's a real pain to drink a cup of coffee in the morning. Well, and coffee is one of those examples of a habit where it's it's pretty benign. And actually, we got in the habit of doing half-calf coffee because we would make a full pot and want to drink a second cup. And if we were having fully caffeinated coffee, it made us both want to launch into orbit. Right. Still does. <laughs> Still does. If he if he sneaks one in, man, mm. like a full calf. Mm-hmm. I know it pot. almost immediately. You start jittering and like talking really <laughs> My fast. Hands are really shaky. What did you do to me? You poisoned me, man. <laughs> one time we had leftover Maxwell House. Remember this from my parents? And I went into work and I said. Dave gave me full calf and the girls are like, oh my gosh, like what is wrong with you? (laughs) I was like on fire. Yeah. Her parents like Maxwell House and there's nothing wrong with Maxwell House. We don't think it's probably our favorite flavored coffee, but the caffeine content in that stuff, if you make a full (laughs) pot of Maxwell House, like- It's insane. That is, oh my gosh. Yeah. Anyways, enough about coffee. It's intense. The other thing is location. So obviously we go into the kitchen. It's the morning time. We do that. Um, Location can also be um, driving to work. When I drive to work, I pass by Starbucks or I pass by, I don't know, we don't do this, but maybe some people do a fast food restaurant and they get a sandwich or something like that. Mm -hmm. The other thing is people. 
So the people could be every time I'm around this group of girls or this group of guys, we go out and we drink wine or we drink beer or that's just what we do with that group of people, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. It's like a cue. It's a cue. Speaking of cues, so we, we want to frame sort of this topic around some of the things I learned in a book called Atomic Habits by an author named James Clear. It's a really great book. It's the best book I ever read about habits, and it's so interesting and applicable. Do you think it's better than The Power of Habit? I didn't get all the way through The Power of Habit. I found Atomic Habits maybe a little more readable, mm -hmm. at least for me. And every chapter has something really tangible and useful and simple. One of the really, and I'm going to get back to the part about cues really quick, but one thing I want to mention about Atomic Habits that's so powerful is he talks about wanting to improve something little and how if you do that every day, how the benefits to your life can compound, will compound over time. We talk about compounding interest a lot when mm -hmm. we talk about money on this podcast and how the power of it is in over time, those little amounts add up to a lot. Think about the latte factor that we just mentioned in our last post. So you have these little bits of money that you pay at a coffee shop every single day. That's $5. Once it compounds itself over 365 days, it's quite a bit of money. But in and of itself, is five bucks that big of a deal? Probably not. No, it's not. But if you had five bucks in an interest-bearing account, it would turn into a lot of money over time, especially over the course of years. Right. Same thing with habits. Is there something really subtle and different you could do each day to improve your life a little bit, these 1% factors. And this is something that James Clear talks about in his book, Atomic Habits. And like for us with the caffeine thing, switching to half-calf has this incremental benefit to our lives. But okay, so back to the cues part. So one of the, one of the most powerful anecdotes he shares in this book, he talks about how with habits, there's a, there's some sort of cue that cues you that now is the time and place and the people I'm around that this, that blank happens, this habit, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And then that, cre that, that creates a craving. And then that craving leads to a response, which is you go and you try to fulfill the craving and then you get a reward. So it might be the, now you have caffeine or you have uh, the, the nice feeling that alcohol provides or if somebody's into drugs or even looking at your phone, it's a dopamine hit. So you get some sort of hormonal reaction that feels good that you don't even realize is happening. Someone so. was mentioning that about during the pandemic that it became this ritual to go through work day mm -hmm. and because everybody was staying at home it was just easy to grab a beer or a glass of wine after the work day was over and it just became this habit that they don't even really know how it started it just kind of self-perpetuated itself and all of a sudden it became a habit and you just want it more yeah and that's an interesting thing about the pan about pandemic life especially for people that are working from home is every day feels just like the other day. So if you have some sort of habit, all of your cues are gonna be the same all the time. And so it can have a negative reinforcing uh, element to it, especially if you start, I don't know, say every day after work, you shut off your computer, you leave your home office, you go start dinner, you have a glass of wine. That habit cements itself because all of your cues are the same every day, the time, the place, the people you're around, I like this topic so much because when we first started the topic, it wasn't going in this direction, but now it's almost like how to change your pandemic habits. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. There's so many once we start thinking about it. Yeah. And it's really easy. But, but again, like, is there some sort of subtle shift you could make to fix them? But let me share a really 
interesting anecdote from the book Atomic Habits, and this is kind of an extreme case of how much cues can play into somebody's of forming of, of a bad habit potentially. So this goes back to the Vietnam War, and apparently during the Vietnam War, research revealed that about 35%, and this is a direct quote from the book, 35% of service members in Vietnam had tried heroin, and as many as 20% of American service members were addicted, okay? So that's a big deal. That's, that's a lot of people on heroin. Then you wonder, okay, when they came back to America after the war, did they all stay heroin addicts or not, okay? So in Vietnam, and this is another direct quote from the book, in Vietnam, soldiers spent all day surrounded by cues triggering heroin use. It was easy to access. They were engulfed by the constant stress of war. They built friendships with fellow soldiers who were also heroin users, and they were thousands of miles from home. So when they came back though, what an interesting thing they found was that most of the soldiers completely dropped the heroin habit, okay? Mm -hmm. And so here's a couple of statistics they found was only 5% of them became re-addicted within a year and only 12% relapsed within three years. So 88% of the people that were basically addicted to heroin when they were in Vietnam in mm -hmm. that time, in that place, you take them out of it, 88% of them completely kicked it. Location. Location, location, location. Yeah, the whole the whole environment surrounding that habit they'd been extricated from. Maybe even the people, people and location. Yeah, mm -hmm. the location, the people, the also probably the accessibility of it. Mm -hmm. Like how easy was it? How readily available was it? Was it around you all, all over the place? Right. Yeah. Interesting. And the stressors of the environment, but I found that so powerful. So it kind of plays into then if somebody goes into rehab to kick some sort of addiction, but then once they leave rehab, they go right back to the place and the people surrounding them. You have to change it all. That That's just going to lend itself to a relapse. Right. right. You have to change it all. Yep. You have to change who you hang around with. You have to change where you live, maybe even like the, the place you live. Change it's, your friends. Yeah. Right. All of that stuff. Improving habits, it doesn't need to be so extreme as trying to kick a heroin habit. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like there are so many subtle things we could all do to improve our lives. So we broke up the habits into categories. So we thought we'd talk about each category, maybe bad habits that might exist in it, how to change it around, and how to make it a new good habit. Some of them will relate back to us and some of them will be kind of general. The first one would be diet. It was so interesting, and I pointed this out to Dave and he never realized it, but we were chatting this weekend about the episode. And our daughter said, I love Saturday mornings so much. And Dave said, Cece, why do you love Saturday mornings so much? I love Saturday mornings, Dad, because you make a big breakfast and I get bacon and eggs and we get to read the newspaper and we get to hang out as a family. And there's no homework and you guys don't have work <laughs> and there's no Zoom school. All these things. And yeah. so all those were all great. But then we thought, oh, my gosh, she relates Saturday morning to bacon, eggs and toast. Right. <laughs> Mostly to bacon. To let's bacon. be honest. <laughs> Mostly yeah, yeah. to the bacon. Other, the other parts are secondary. Yeah. 
And it's so interesting because this is one of those routines that it is not easy to be the odd man out. I am pretty good about things that go into my body and things that I eat. And I try really, really hard to keep my dairy low, keep my gluten low, um, probably not eliminate it completely, but I really try hard not to. I really try to have a ton of fruits and vegetables. So when it comes to bacon, eggs, and toast, I usually am not the one to eat it. Yeah, Nance could be a vegetarian really easily, and I really would have a tough time with that. But yeah, but bacon, yeah, Cece and I, yes. Right, and so I, I literally sit there, I watch them, you know, make the greasy bacon. <laughs> I watch them eat the eggs and the toast. And um, I typically don't eat until a little bit later in the morning. So I usually don't have something until like 10, 11 o'clock. And then I'll have an avocado. Yay. Yeah. Or maybe a slice of gluten-free toast or something like that. And so far, this isn't like a bad a bad habit, quote unquote, but it, it just kind of shows the power of cues. So right. for Cece, Saturday morning with mom and dad, equals bacon. Right. Right. It shows recognition of it. Right, right, right. And bacon once a week is probably not so big a deal, but if it became every morning, mm -hmm. you know, you get that 1% sort of compounding thing. Right. If we had bacon fresh in the pan every single morning for breakfast all year long, I think eventually it probably would deteriorate my health pretty badly. Right. <laughs> it would not be good. Right. So think about diet cues that you may have yeah. because it's a certain time of day or because it's a certain time of week or month or whatever it is. Do make it tough on yourself to follow a good food routine. Yeah. And so I think if we wanted to kick the bacon habit a little bit, it could be we just don't buy it. I mean, right. <laughs> it's kind of like with the Vietnam War going someplace where there it isn't easy to even find heroin if you wanted. That made it easier to kick. I do the food order. So maybe... Yeah. <laughs> I'll just eliminate that off the list. The food will show up. I'll be like, oh, did you get that bacon? You'll be like, what? What, what bacon? What? You said bacon? You wanted oh. me to get bacon? Hmm. Oh, I forgot. Sorry. Oops. <laughs> but on a different note, it can also go the other direction for your cues because Dave has mentioned before that because I'm around and I do a lot of smoothies and a lot of fruits and vegetables that he tends to eat a little healthier than if I wasn't around. Yeah, yeah. So that's where I think with habits, you know, back to the people part of it, we've heard, and I don't remember where we, we read this before, but that you're basically the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And to what extent do those five people help you have good habits in different ways you want to have good habits and how do they maybe not? Right. Yeah. So if you have a bad habit in this area, possibly eliminate the source, not a person, I mean like Bacon. <laughs> Eliminate them. <laughs> bacon in this instance. Yeah, make it scarcer, harder, not not as easy to fulfill. Right. And then just change up the routine. It's almost like you have to go cold turkey on this one. You have to just stop and just make a commitment. And then everybody has to kind of come along with you um, on the ride. So, for example, we may want to change to Saturday morning. We can still read the paper. We can still have great family time. There's no work. There's no school. All these great things. But then maybe we have a healthier version um, of a breakfast on Saturday mornings. Yeah. Another sort of interesting example like this was my, my uncle Joe. Uh, he was a smoker for decades and decades. And he always lived with my, my grandma. Uh, he, lived, he lived with his mom for a long time, right? And, and grandma was a smoker too. Well, grandma passed away 10, 10, 12 years ago, and it wasn't until grandma had passed away that my Uncle Joe actually quit smoking. Right. 
I think that was difficult for him to do living living with grandma who was a smoker. It's so hard. That, that made it very difficult. And it's not easy. The first the first few weeks that I did that where I wasn't eating the bacon and I wasn't eating this stuff and I kind of changed things around. I was just like, I just can't eat the same things you guys eat. It just mm-hmm. doesn't make me feel good. Mm-hmm. I feel really lethargic. I don't feel myself on the weekends, especially because everything changes so much for me. I just, ha- I can't do this and it's tough, but now it's not that big of a deal. The smells don't get to me. I don't crave it anymore. I don't want it because now this is my new habit. Mm-hmm. The next thing is something that we talked about in the last episode is money. So um, we talked about in the initial part of this podcast, you drive by somewhere and do you get the urge to spend money somewhere? So maybe you pass by a Target and it's really difficult to stay in your car and not go inside. Or it's difficult to drive by a Starbucks and not grab a cup of coffee. Or it's difficult to go through a mall and just window shop. You have to leave with a package or else you haven't fulfilled your trip <laughs> by spending. So that's another thing to look out for is, it, are the cues recognizable in these instances where it's not really giving you any source of joy to take that item? Are you doing it just to do it because you think you should. Yeah, you get that cue in the store and it gives you a craving for some sort of retail therapy. And then you respond by buying something you don't need, which feels, you get that dopamine hit of like, oh, yeah, yeah, I I get this material, this material thing. It feels good in that moment, like a new pair of shoes or whatever. And that's where like, say with Target, and not to bag on Target or anything. We love it. We love Target, sure. Mm -hmm. But you know, if you order online and do the, the pickup outside. It's not the same. Well, what it helps is it prevents you from buying things you didn't come there for. Totally. And right. that's why it's not as fun. Right. But that's where you can help <laughs> overcome that habit. <laughs> no, I totally is. I'm right. joking. You say fun, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. But it helps you overcome that habit. It's like that was one of those 1% shifts is instead of going into the store, just have them bring the things you, you specifically intentionally bought right. and have them put them in your trunk and then you drive off and then you avoid spending an extra 50 or 100 bucks on stuff you didn't really come in there for and probably don't need. Right. Living yeah. with intention. Like it's that it's that component of it. Yeah, so like for for instance we were we were looking at an ad the other day, uh, holiday ads, and Target had this great special on a one of those KitchenAid countertop mixers. Right. We've right? never had one before. We've never had one before and it was like, "Ooh, cool. It was only like $200." It was a great it, deal. It was like half off or something. Right. But they wouldn't let you buy it online for delivery and you couldn't do it as a pickup even. Right. You had to, the only way to get it for that deal was they were making you go into the store and buy it. And of course they do that knowing full well that if you go into the store to go to the shelf to buy that thing, you're likely to pick up some other things too. And the kitchen stuff is way in the back. So you have to pass by everything else. Yeah. You're going to pass by the entirety of the store if you really want this thing. And then it may or may not even be in stock when you get here. Right. Yeah, interesting marketing on that on their end. I yeah. get it. I get why they do it. <laughs> yeah, they've figured out human nature maybe just a little too well. Yeah. Right. Another topic is organization. So the cue for this is we're in the holidays, um, Hanukkah, Christmas. It's a time for gifts and for buying and for presents. But that's not what the only thing this time is for. But there's <laughs> a there are From cues. Our other podcast. <laughs> yeah. But there are cues everywhere there's cues to kind of play into the consumerism and all of that 
And again, we are trying to be a lot better about this as we've talked about in the past, but we know inevitably that Cece's going to get Christmas gifts. And so in full well knowing that leading up to this point in December, we do a whole go through the house and make piles for ARC or for Goodwill or for families in our neighborhood or whoever it is. And we have clothes and toys and books and we just purged this past weekend, knowing that there's inevitably going to be a few more things coming into our house. So the habit is, and the cue is the holiday and the buying and the consumerism. And if it's one of those things that you know you just can't not buy a gift for somebody, which we totally get, we've done that for our daughter, then at least um, make your life easier by being organized leading up to that, knowing that that's going to happen, purge that month in December, make it a purging month. Yeah. So it's kind of like trying to lump in another habit. That's a positive one, which some with something, you know, you're, you're probably going to do anyway. So for me, one, one example of that, that's kind of different is I know I should run on the treadmill and it's good Mm -hmm. for me. But the, the thing I lump into that is I'm a star Wars geek, Nancy and Cece, not Star Wars geeks. I'll True. just put it that way. True statement. Uh, so there's that new TV series, The Mandalorian. I love watching it, but I, I have my cue is that if I'm going to watch it, the only time I let myself watch it is if I'm going to run on the treadmill at the same time. So right. I've kind of lumped in one thing with another to create a positive habit, to create positivity out of it. Right. And so that would go into the exercise category that the habit is you want to exercise more, but you don't have the time or you feel like you don't um, have the motivation or whatever it is. Find something positive. That was in a different book. And I'm trying to remember as you were saying that what book that was in where you compound the habit that you want to change and find something else that gives you joy to do with that, such as a TV show. Um, They talk about that a lot with weight loss, that once you get to a goal, promise yourself that you'll have coffee with a friend. Not now, but hopefully in the future. (laughs) Zoom coffee, yeah. Or maybe you'll you'll treat yourself with a cookie or I I don't know, whatever it may be, something positive to like make you look forward to it. Something you know you're going to want anyway, but create that little added discipline or barrier that you don't let yourself have it unless you do this, fulfill this other positive habit. Right. One of those 1% things. It's a simple thing. I know I'm going to watch The Mandalorian at some point, but the subtle thing is making it only be when I'm on the treadmill. Right. Another category we have talked about on our Instagram post was the phones. My phone, I have to have it on my bedside. I I get, um, I'm on call um, this month. I'm on call. So Typically, I don't get in the middle of the night calls, but I do have to have it turned on. So there's that's one of those things that I can't change, but I can change how I respond to it. Instantly, when I wake up, I look at my phone. Why? Does something crazy happen in the middle of the night that I just need to know? Most likely not. There's always something crazy that happened in the middle of the night if right. you look for it. But right. do you really need to have that be the first thing you do when you wake up? Right. I'm training my brain to need that yeah. as soon as I wake up. Yeah. If someone called me, my phone would ring. And so I typically I don't need to look at it first thing in the morning. Yeah. So what I really want to do and I'm going to work really hard at is I'm, I still have to have my phone by my bedside for all those reasons. But I'll look at it and I'm going to put it down. I'm not going to stay on it for an extended amount of time. There's times that we do our Instagram feeds and go through and do all of our stuff from middle-aged wisdom, but I want to set a piece of time for that instead of first thing in the morning and then scattered. 
Yeah. And another, and so for me, I don't have the excuse. I don't have people that call me at four and five in the morning, like Nance does on almost a weekly basis, whether it's staff or if it's a patient or whatever, Right. she really does need to have her, her phone there. I'm not so much. So having it even sit on the nightstand is probably totally unnecessary for me. I could leave it in another room and that would really force me to look at it less. And along the same lines, one thing I find is with social media, uh, like say Twitter in particular, they have figured out exactly how to show you what whatever they want to, sh- whatever they can show you to get you to keep looking, mm-hmm. right? So they fill you with all these cues that c- just make you keep scrolling. And so, like for Twitter, uh, when I when I'm trying to kick the habit is I I just delete the app from my phone. Right, I, I totally delete it. That's cold turkey, man. Yeah. Well, you can still get to it from from the internet if you really want to. But <laughs> well, that's what that movie yeah. on Netflix was about—the social dilemma. The social dilemma, mm-hmm. yeah. How much they they just have us figured out they too much do. to get us to keep looking. Right. It reminds me of the movie, the kids' movie Inside Out, where they're looking at the the thought process of the little girl. And they're like, you need to go give her some sadness, give her some joy. Yeah, they have a control panel in there. Yeah. That's what I felt like when I was watching that movie, Social Dilemma. Yeah. But they have us all figured out what we want, what kind of stores we like, all those things like constantly being watched. Yeah, the behavioral science stuff has gotten so sophisticated that it's it's a little bit scary. So one, one thing is to sort of realize that that's what's happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, like say Twitter, it it's it's they call it doom scrolling for a reason because it really just sort of feeds into doom and gloom stuff that's hard to look away from it's just like this you know there's comedy stuff on there too but there's you know it's mixed in with half of it is is news feed that's kind of i don't know doesn't help my disposition that's for sure we have to kick twitter yeah twitter uh, Twitter. (laughs) and the last topic we're going to discuss and obviously these are just touching the surface on habits you can Write a list of your own. I think it's a great idea to write them down because everything's personal. These are just ours, but you may have different ones that you want to work on. But I think it's a good idea to always put the pen to paper so you physically see them and it's a thought in your mind. It's intentional. So the last topic is going to be about the morning routine. And it's something that I want to work on really, really hard on in 2021. So for example, you can say, I want to start my day off just feeling really grateful for being healthy and being here and um, having the people around me. So that might be something where you have your gratitude journal. Maybe you set aside 10 minutes in the morning um, and just write in your journal. Maybe it's about um, eating right or um, whatever it is. You go and fill your water bottle up instead of going for the coffee or you meal plan so you have your meals ready so you don't just grab the first thing that's readily available. All these things can set up intention for your day and start your day out exactly the way you want it to go. Yeah, so whether it's uh, a money habit you want to improve, exercise, or diet, you know, try not to tackle like 15 different things at once, but what is like, what is one subtle thing in one of those that you could change tomorrow and continue each day? It could be, hey, we're going to make coffee at home instead of getting Starbucks. Okay. And just make that a treat. That's like maybe once a month or something like that. Right. Uh, Maybe it's, I'm going to set my alarm 15 minutes earlier tomorrow, 15 minutes, right? Just to give you that increment of time where in that 15 minutes, what is one thing you would want to use if you had 15 minutes to gain mm-hmm. every morning that you could start your day off with something with intention that you think would, would set you off on a better path 
What is that? Right. What can you put in that 15 minutes? Okay, so to summarize, you know, what we've talked about in this episode is that when it comes to habits, they have a lot to do with the environment you're in, the the cues that trigger the, the forming of the habits. You get a craving, you respond, and then you get some sort of reward. But if you want to change habits, start small and stick with it. And look at the time, the people, and the location and see if that is making you act a certain way. What can you change about one of those things? So in summary, maybe this quote is the best thing to think about. What's one small thing I can do tomorrow that I can do better than I did today? 